You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. To all my corporate quitters and wannabe corporate quitters, if you're loving the podcast and looking for more easily digestible BS-free resources like the Quitter Starter Pack or How to Go Viral Guide, be sure to check out our website, corporatequitter.com, and our Instagram at thecorporatequitter, where we spill all the deets on the daily, helping you get one step closer to just doing the damn thing. Now, on to our episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest I'm super excited about. His name is Connor Marriott. He is the founder and CEO of two, not just one, two seven-figure businesses, including Instinct Education, an online education platform, helping business owners master their marketing, sales, client acquisition, and personal growth. Connor has enrolled over 5,000 clients and is dedicated to making business simple and helping business owners grow. And the best thing that I've found with not only our initial conversation, but just what I've seen through social is that you really try to make things simple, like business and marketing, all these things. It looks really complex, but realistically, it's very, very simple. And so I love that you highlight that in everything that you do. So thank you so much for coming on and doing that, just making it easy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So can you give a little background? Like, what's your story? It must be complex and there must be winding paths and things didn't you know, necessarily go to plan. But how in the hell did you build a seven-figure business? That's like what everyone wants. So how did you get there? Well, I um, started out as a personal trainer. When I finished school for about four or five years, I was a personal trainer. Even though it was technically like working for myself, it was still basically a job because I had to be at the gym at certain times. And so throughout that whole process, I wanted to start my own business and do something different. And I did start multiple businesses. Like seemed like every couple of months, I'd start a new business. I'd have an idea. But for whatever reason, I would just not follow through. I'd get distracted or start something else. And this went on for like a really long time. And I didn't really know why. In hindsight, it kind of makes sense. But when I was 22, I read a quote and it was, to get what you want, you have to deserve what you want. And when I read that, it kind of all made sense because I was saying I wanted to start a business, but my actions weren't really leading to that. I was spending most of my time working out or hanging out with friends. And so like you can say I want something, but if you're not actually doing the things that allow you to deserve it, it's probably not going to happen. Once I read that, I kind of went all in. I took the opposite approach. I moved halfway across the country to start a digital marketing company because I'd learned digital marketing as a personal trainer. And I realized like most business owners don't really know much about marketing. I worked 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week in a city that I had no friends. So it was like all I did for three months uh, to get started. And it took all of the three months to get my first client. And that was just the process of like slowly learning these different skills and like a lot of failure <laughs> along the way. But once I got my first client, it all started to make sense and things started to pick up pretty quick. And from there, we worked with bigger and bigger clients. And as we grew, we started to realize that because we got popular, a lot of the smaller businesses couldn't afford us. And the goal was to help small businesses to begin with. So we started to transition to more education so that rather than you paying you know, $10,000 a month, we could teach you how to do it yourself, and then you have the skill for life. And so that's how we started Instinct Education. And now that's our primary focus is helping business owners develop the skills so that they can do it on their own. That's awesome. And so how long did it take you from that initial time of moving across the world and like actually going through with the business this time to now where you're at of like just managing these businesses, right, and continually growing it out? Uh, that was about three or four years. Still pretty quickly. That's pretty quick. I'm wondering too, like, 
why was it this time that made a difference? Like, what were the things that changed in your life, whether it's like new habits or like, was there like this moment of like, you had like a catastrophe or some illness or something that made you actually like do the damn thing, right? Why this time did you follow through and start the business and it work out as opposed to other times? Well, I think there's three things that you need to do anything. Number one is belief. And like subconsciously, when I was trying to start businesses as a personal trainer, I don't actually think I believed I could do it. And then I met someone who was the same age as me, who was also like a personal trainer, but she had this other business and she was really, really successful. And because of that, it kind of gave me the belief that, oh, like if she can do it, I can do it. And so that was the first thing. The second thing was behavior. So basically what I would do is I'd write down like, what is my goal? And it was at the start to make $10,000 a month. And I was like, okay, how would, like, what would I need to do to deserve that? And so I did this calculation. It was that if the average person makes $5,000 a month and I want to make double that, and the average person works 40 hours a week and I want to make double what they get, then I need to work twice as much. And I'm not saying this is what you actually need to do, but that was my kind of thought. And so every day I'd be like, okay, 80 hours a week, that's about 12 hours a day. I'd say, how many hours do I work today? And I'd be like, four. I'd be like, okay, let me try to do a little bit more tomorrow. And it'd be five, and it'd be six. And so it was this process of changing the behavior. And so we had belief, behavior, and then the final thing is skills. And so this is why it took me three months to get my first client because I didn't have the skills to get clients. Like I would get a lot of meetings, but I didn't know sales. Or at the start, I didn't know how to get meetings. It was this process of developing the skills. And so, yeah, they're kind of three things, belief, behavior, and then skills. And I think it needs to be in that order. Yeah, without those things, well, that's why I think it didn't work before and why it was able to this time. So you had to change your mindset about actually realizing that you could do these things. Like it took another person to create the idea that you could do it for yourself, basically. Yes, at the time. I mean, in hindsight, I think there's ways to do it without needing to meet someone. But that was the thing that kind of allowed me to do it. And that then led to the behavior, which then led to developing the skills. It's so hard. I had the same thing for many years where I would start businesses or ideas, right? I'd like go through this whole thing of making a business plan and doing the research and then nothing fucking happens. Like you work on it for like a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a month max, and then it completely falls off or you like barely do any work. Like you're doing a lot of busy work, but not actually making moves. And the fact that you finally found something that worked for you is awesome because not a lot of people find that. Like they just go through the same repetition, the same behaviors and patterns that gets in the same exact results. Yeah. And I think it was too, like shifting the focus from the goal. Like I used to think, and I think this is what a lot of people think, by setting a goal, you're somehow entitled to it. It's like, oh, I set the goal. Now I wait, right? <laughs> but I changed the focus to what are the actions to do each day so that anything other than achieving this goal would be unreasonable. And so if your goal is to, let's say, like get five clients this month and you're speaking to like one person a week, then that behavior is probably not going to map to that outcome. And so if you change that to be like, what could I do so that anything other than getting five clients would be unreasonable? Then you might say, well, I'm going to talk to 100 people a day. And if you spoke to 100 people a day, would you be surprised if you got five clients? Probably not, because you spoke to 100 people a day. And so changing the frame of like, okay, I've set this goal, now I should get it, and putting it to what do I need to do so that anything other than achieving this goal would be unreasonable gives you that control and power so that you can focus on like, what am I doing today? And then it takes the, I guess, the pressure off the outcome. And you can just focus on like doing things each day. And if you do that for enough days, you will get the result. One thing that we had spoke about initially was that now at this point, 
it's really fun because when you set goals, you like, no, you can achieve them because you've done such incredible things. And I feel similarly, but other than writing out specifically what you need to do, how can someone achieve any, like literally any goal that they have? How can you like, basically, how can you change your limiting beliefs so that you can attain any goal that you want? Yeah. So I think like there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And so if I just say like, I can do anything, well, that's probably arrogant because I can't. But if I believe that there is a future version of me that can, right? So like every day you make a decision and if you keep making certain decisions, you're going to result in a different version of you in the future, five years from now, 10 years from now. And so of all those possible future versions of you, there is one version of you that's the best. And if you can have confidence, not that you can do anything now, but there is a version of you that can and that you can do the things that will allow you to manifest that person, then you can have confidence that like I can do anything. It's not that I can do anything because I can't but there's a version of me that can. And so I can have confidence that if I set the goal, I am able to achieve it, not as I am now, but like who I'm becoming. And so putting the focus to that, you have the confidence that it's possible. And then you can kind of just reverse engineer like, okay, what do I need to do to become that person? And then that's basically the process of doing it. Yeah, it's almost similarly to what I've heard some experts say of like jumping timelines. Like you have to like actually consult with yourself. Like in this case, right? Some people say, okay, sit down, meditate on it, like think about it, but actually ask yourself internally, what do I need to do to get that result? Whether it's lose the weight, start the business, like whatever it is. And more often than not, we actually know what we need to do, but we just, we don't ask ourselves. And like you said, we're kind of arrogant, like we're ignorant, or even in some cases we are even resistant. All the things that we need to do, we don't want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like a process of, because like what can happen is if you, if you set a goal that's out in the future, let's say it's one year from now, then in your mind, you've got all this time to achieve it. And there's no weight to today. There's no urgency for today. You, you can take today off and it's okay because you still have a year. But if you use the day, like what did I do today? And then you multiply that. Like if I repeated today for 365 days, would I have achieved the goal? And in many cases, the answer is no. And then so it's like, okay, well, what would I need to do today? So that if I did multiply today by 365 days, I would achieve the goal. And so by doing that, you, again, shift the focus off this like arbitrary future date that is kind of meaningless to now. And you can yeah, focus on like, what do I need to do today? And if I, I'm lazy today, if I have the day off, if I don't do anything, then I know if I multiply that by the time period, I'm not achieving the goal. And so it like puts the focus on now. And that's kind of how I found to be effective to overcome procrastination or like pushing things aside. Do you have any other suggestions for someone who wants to basically overcome resistance? Like, what does it even mean to be resistant? Because, right, in one way, it's just maybe you're thinking too far into the future. So you're then becoming procrastinating because you're fearful or, you know, whatever it is, or it's uncomfortable, right? But how can we actually get past that and just do what we need to do, right? In this case, get your ass off the couch and actually make the sales call or whatever it is. Yeah, I think resistance is the process of growth. And it comes down to reframing like how you view resistance. People think if something feels uncomfortable, it's wrong. But like without that resistance, you don't develop yourself. Like a good example is, do you watch the Marvel movies, like Disney, Marvel? Some of them, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is like a deep cut, but there was a a show on Disney Plus, it's called What If? And basically it takes like the superheroes and it says like, what if something different happened? And my favorite superhero is Iron Man. And the way Iron Man became Iron Man, for anyone who doesn't know, he got captured by terrorists and they put him into a cave for months. And it was like a really bad time. But because of that, he built the Iron Man suit, which is how he became a superhero. 
And so in this what if episode, they asked like, what if he didn't get captured by terrorists? And so he didn't go into the cave. And what happened was he didn't become Iron Man. And so everyone wants like the outcome, but without the problem of going into the cave, you don't get it. And the problem precedes the outcome. It's about understanding like if you have a goal that, let's say you want to be in the top 1% of earners in the world or like whatever your goal is. The prerequisite of that is solving a problem that 99% of people can't. And so that's like the ticket in. And so rather than looking at resistance or problems as things to avoid, they're the tuition of achieving the thing. And so I understand any goal you set, there's an equally proportionate problem or level of resistance that you're going to have to overcome. And so if you think that way, then you can look at resistance as almost something to look forward to. Because if this is hard and I can get through it and other people quit at this point, then I know I'm getting ahead. And so framing resistance as a chance to move forward and progress rather than something to avoid and back away from. That's such a great point, honestly. Actually, I needed that reminder today because right as you've, I'm sure you've seen this too at every stage of your business as you've grown from, you know, six figures to then seven figures and then obviously like hiring new employees, right? All these things. Like there's the phrase that I love to say, new level, new devil. There's always shit that comes up, right? Always problems to solve. And we in life don't like issues. We don't like problems. We don't like when things are not safe, but that in and of itself is really what makes life exciting and what will propel you forward is overcoming those things instead of like buckling under pressure. Yeah. There's no business that doesn't have problems. There's no person that doesn't have problems. But as you go through these cycles of, you have like a level one problem, which might be how to build a website or how to register a business name. And at the start, that's like, there's a lot of resistance there. It's challenging. But once you overcome a level one problem, level one problems are no longer issues. And so then you go to level two problems. And so it's not that you stop having problems. You start having bigger problems, but every problem below that is no longer a problem for you because it's easy. It's like when I first hired someone, I was like, oh my God, this is like, (laughs) this is so stressful. Now it's like that happens almost automatically because you overcome that level of problem. And so, yeah, looking at problems as if I don't overcome this problem, this level of problem is always going to be a problem. I'm never going to move past this level of problem. And so if I can keep progressing, then all the smaller problems no longer phase you. And so, yeah, it's like embracing them. Damn, dropping some fucking nuggets right now. (laughs) Some gold nuggets. Uh, That's so great. But I mean, that even goes to show like for everything. That's not even just in business. It's like in your relationship and your friendships. Like, yeah, shit. Gives you some pretty awesome perspective. But now that we're talking about problems, right, in business and all that. So what are some practical steps that new entrepreneurs should do in business. Considering the fact that you know, I would assume having a seven-figure business, you know what the fuck you're talking about. So what are some, you know, problems that people have in business? Like, what can they do to avoid that? What are steps that they should take? Yeah, so we work with business owners who are just starting out. So this is something, like, we spend most of our time thinking about. And going back to, like, trying to make it simple. Well, there's a few steps, but at a high level, we could break business down into two areas. You have your delivery, which is, essentially everything you do. It's like your product, your service, like when you're working with people. And then you've got your acquisition, which is the process of getting people to work with. And so most people think to grow a business, they focus on acquisition. And that's like marketing and sales. But that is a byproduct of delivery because marketing is simply the process of articulating what you do. If we're not looking at like what you do to start with, then marketing won't work. Like marketing can only be as good as what you do. And so you want to start there. So what do we do? Well, the first one is your messaging. And so the messaging is like essentially your promise. And so this is like what I'm going to say I'm going to do. And so we can break that down into three areas. We've got the market. So who am I helping? The 
problem or the perceived problem because sometimes people have a problem and you know how to solve it, but they don't know the solution, right? Let's say you help people with weight loss. Their perceived problem might not be that they're overweight. Their perceived problem could be that they have low energy. And so if we just say, hey, I'll help you lose weight, it may not really like hit with them because they just see the perceived problem of I've got low energy. And so we want to get clear on what that perceived problem is and then the desired outcome. So we've got market, problem, and outcome. The outcome is like what they want. What would they be doing if they didn't have the problem? Because a problem is only a problem if it's stopping them from doing something. So being overweight is not a problem unless it's like causing something that you don't want to happen. Being anxious is not a problem unless it's stopping you from maybe like making friends or making a, getting a partner or asking for a promotion, right? So problems are only problems if they're stopping you from something. And so we need to know what the perceived problem is and the outcome that they want if they didn't have the problem. And so that's the messaging. And then the other side of that is your fulfillment. This is like what you do. And the thing with fulfillment is, well, there's three things. You need the scope, the speed, and the simplicity. So if we know what outcome we're promising, then the scope is like, how well do we get someone there? And so an example, going back to weight loss, if I said, I'm going to help you lose 10 kilos, but I only give you a diet plan, then that's not a complete scope because there are other things that are responsible for you losing 10 kilos. It's like your exercise, your sleep, your supplements, your habits, your environment. And so the scope is like, if this is what I'm promising, am I really like allowing you to do everything that will ensure that outcome? And if I'm not, then I can either like change the outcome to be, I'm just going to give you a diet plan instead of I'm going to make you lose 10 kilos. Or I can like make my fulfillment more robust and give you exercise and you know nutrition and all those other things. And then the other two are speed and simplicity. And that's basically like, if this is the outcome, how quickly can I get you there? Obviously, a shorter time frame is better. And then simplicity is like, how easy is it? So how much effort? And so if we can increase the speed and simplicity, which would be reducing the time and effort, then that is how we build a good delivery. And then we can look at the acquisition from there. But the better this is, the better acquisition is. I love how you broke it down because, and again, right, it's simple. It makes sense. It's not all this fluff about like, you have to have perfect branding and have all this blah, blah, blah. And like, those things are great. But at the same time, sometimes you have, it's like the concept of advertising versus marketing. You can have a pretty page, like a pretty website, but if it's not doing shit, right, it's just pretty. It doesn't help with actually converting people. It doesn't solve a problem. It's fucking useless. Like pretty doesn't solve problems. Well, like, yeah, a good real world example is Netflix versus Blockbuster. So in terms of the outcome, they're promising the same outcome, like watching a movie. But the speed and simplicity of Blockbuster is like, you need to drive, you need to find a park, you need to get out, you need to find the movie, get back in your car, drive home, put in the thing and play it. So it's like <laughs> slow and not that simple. Whereas Netflix, it's like you log on, you click a button, you got a movie. So it's the same outcome, but they're achieving the outcome in two very different ways. And so no amount of marketing would ever make you think that Blockbuster has a better solution than Netflix because it doesn't. So if we want to improve our marketing, if we actually improve the solution, then marketing by default will be better. Netflix could have objectively worse marketing than Blockbuster, but it's still a better business. <laughs> yeah. But then what's the notion where people say like, like, because what I've heard too is that it's not the best product that sells, it's the best marketing. But at the same time, I also know from experience that people who have the best marketing sometimes are selling, they're selling the shitty product. And so it's almost like a scam. So what's your take on that? Yeah, well, it's just about like extending the time frame because that's true. If I had a really shitty product and awesome marketing, I'd make a lot of sales. But long-term, those people probably aren't going to buy again. And so there's a quote by Benjamin Graham, who was like Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's mentor. And it's in the short term, the market is a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine. 
And so how that relates to business is like in the short term, marketing is like popularity. But long term, the business that weighs the most, which means provides the most value, has the best outcome and the best way in achieving that outcome, that will win long term. And so, yeah, like best marketing will work at the start. But the only thing worse than no clients or no customers is having unhappy clients or customers. Oh, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, so you can like trick the system in the short term. But if you extend that time frame over a couple months or a couple of years or a couple of decades, like it's not the best strategy. Yeah, I agree. I don't know about you, but I've spent a lot of money on not only shitty products, but working with really shitty people. And so at this point, it's made me almost like on a mission to do like the actual opposite, even if it takes longer, because it'll have a more solid foundation. And you don't want to be an asshole. Like, that's not cool. No, absolutely. And so, (laughs) yeah, like, because again, going back to delivery and acquisition as the two high levels, if you spent all of your time on delivery to make the best thing ever, like long term, you would win. But the caveat to that is that if all you're doing is this, then you probably won't survive long enough to like actually get there because if you're not making sales, you just won't have the resources to make it great. So there is a balance. You do need both. But if you can focus most on that and then kind of just make enough sales to keep improving that, like long-term you'll win. Like that's how Amazon grew. They focused on the best customer service, the best company for customer service and like the fastest delivery, the widest range. They just want to be the best. And they lost money for like over a decade because of that. But now they're Amazon. There are companies that were marketing much better throughout that time, but long-term, they're all gone and Amazon is still here. Yeah. See, but that like, some people would perceive that as mistakes, right? Because they're losing money, right? And they're not like these big, right? 10 years, that's a long time. It's a short time when you look back because right now it's this major thing and it was kind of like the setback was the setup. But speaking on businesses now, whether they're new or they're just getting into freelancing or even they're a year in, what are some mistakes that they make that could ultimately put them under? So I think the biggest mistake is trying to make sure everything is perfect before they do anything. And also getting distracted by all the things you could do. Because yeah, a lot of people, they look for the perfect thing to do, the perfect strategy. And so they don't do anything because they're like, I'm not going to start until I know exactly what to do. I need the perfect website. I need the perfect marketing plan. And they don't do anything. That's like obviously not going to work because they're not doing anything. Um, and so instead of having, like, you don't necessarily need confidence in a strategy. You need confidence in yourself to make the strategy work. Like I could take a very bad strategy. If I say, I'm going to make this work no matter what, either going to find a way or make a way, then the strategy can work. Like when I started out, I was doing door to door and cold calls. Like objectively speaking, they're probably the two worst ways to get clients, but I did them every single day for hours, for months. And so I was committed to making them work and therefore they worked. Now there's like better strategies that I use, but if you only look for the best strategy, you only look for the thing that's perfect and you try to have everything figured out, you're not actually going to make anything work. And so the biggest mistake I see when people are starting out is they're trying to find like, what's the perfect thing to do? What's the perfect platform? What's the perfect marketing message? When instead, like pick something and focus on making it better, developing the skill and putting in the work because yeah, no strategy works without effort and any strategy can work with enough effort. And so that's probably like the biggest sticking point. Yeah. I've also found too, my own experience is that Shit changes all the time, literally. Like what may work last month is not going to work this month. And you change these little things and they do like A-B testing, right? Two different types of websites, two different types of landing pages. Like it's a never ending game that things continually change. Even for people who are doing well, like things change and you need to pivot and change too. And so to say that you're looking for the one-stop shop for like how to do it all, just it's not relevant either. Yeah, I spent a long time thinking about this because I thought like for our program, we help business owners get clients. And I thought, like, I wanted to make it the best possible program. I was like, okay, we need the best possible strategy. 
And so I spent a long time trying to figure out like, how can I make the best strategy that will work for everyone? But that doesn't exist because it will change. And also like, if I just give you a strategy, if I gave you a button that you click and it makes you money, well, as soon as that button stops working, you're not going to know what to do. And so if there was one thing I could do for a business owner, it would be simply to change their behavior so that they do things consistently. And then with that character trait, you can then take any strategy and make it work no matter what. And things will change, you'll figure it out. And so now we focus on like how to actually change the individual to do the things that they need to do each day. Because with that, anything will work. And without that, nothing will. Agreed. But I like how you, you got, like, I want to stress the figuring it out part because especially myself, I was so resistant to even try the entrepreneurial journey for so long because I wasn't ready to try to figure it out. Like you actually have to go through all these different creative solutions and pivot on a dime and get out of expectation mode and just take action. Cause right. We expect when we quit our jobs to have like a hundred K in savings with like a thriving side hustle. And that's not always the fucking case. Sometimes you just need to do the bold thing or take the action without it looking how it should be or even getting the outcome you want at that exact moment, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like a good tip for that is like a lot of people that start something about, I need this to work. I want this to work. I'm going to try one thing and it's going to work. And if it doesn't, then I quit. Instead focusing on like, what can I do each day? So when I started, I committed, I was like, I'm going to try one new thing every day. The way I thought about it is if the average business owner tries one new thing each month and I do one new thing each day, then within two weeks, I've got a year of growth compared to everyone else. If you focus on like, not the outcome of what I'm doing, but the action. Like, how can I try new things? How can I test fast, develop skills? Then like, you will grow faster. You'll both internally and externally. And yeah, you're not putting pressure on like this one thing working and when it doesn't, then you're sad. <laughs> it's like you're expecting it not to because the goal is not necessarily, well, the goal is to make it work, but the real goal is to practice testing things, moving faster, developing skills. What are some of the things that you tried every single day? Like, was it all business related or was it mixed with personal stuff too? And it was all all business related to get clients because I had no idea at the start. So the first day I was sending like cold emails uh, and that didn't really work. That's not to say it didn't work, <laughs> it can't work, but that didn't. Then I uh, decided to like film a custom video for every single business. I did like 50 of them, sent them out. No one even saw them. So that wasn't that useful. Um, so like I did a public speaking event. So I hosted the seminar. People showed up, but I didn't get any clients from it. So it was like, this was all within like the first month. Yeah, I just did a lot of things. Like every day I was like, what can I try? But as soon as I finished trying one thing, my focus wasn't on, is this going to work? It was on what's the next thing I can try. And so I never got upset that it wasn't working. I was really glad because I saw progress. Like it took me, I think, four or six weeks to book my first meeting. And then by the end of month two, I was booking a meeting every day. And so even though I didn't yet have a client or a sale or any money, I saw a lot of progress. And so that really kept me motivated because I'm like, okay, well, if I keep progressing like this, then in six months time, like it's bound to work. Yeah. And then of course, like once you learn that skill, just replicate, like replicate, replicate. You just keep making the money and making the sale and closing the deals. And then it's like, it becomes fun as fuck. Not that it wasn't fun before, but then obviously when you're like making a lot of money, you're like, holy crap, this is actually really, really fun. It's easy. It becomes easy. Yeah. And that I think ties into the confidence too, because if something's working now for us, it's because we tried like a hundred things that didn't work. And so the thing that's working, I know why it's working because I saw it when it wasn't working. And so if I just give you a strategy and you don't know how that strategy works or why it works, even if that does work, at some point it's going to stop and then you're going to be like, I have no idea what to do now. But if you focus on like developing the skill, then you know why it's working, you know why it's not working, you know how to then put that somewhere else. You have that control to say like, no matter what happens, like we could take marketing or advertising, for example, there's like the different platforms. You've got like Facebook ads or YouTube ads or 
organic on different platforms, the principles are the same on all of them. And so we can go from Facebook ads to YouTube ads and know that we can make it work because it's basically the same. Yes, there's some nuance to each thing, but once you understand like the skill of how it works, you can replicate that anywhere. And so you're not relying on like one thing. And if that one thing stops, then you're stuck. Yeah. That's why sometimes like some of the things that frustrate me is like when you get templates or something like, for example, I, when I first started my business, I spent a good chunk of change on this business mastermind and they taught me some great things and whatever else, but they had a lot of templates and like, that's great, right? Copy and pasting and filling in information and whatever, but that doesn't teach me the psychology behind why that pitch works. And then of course, like you said, when things change, right? When the market evolves, when us as consumers have basically like, right. If you took a salesperson in the eighties who were selling cars and tried to pitch someone now, it would not work. People would be like, this is disgusting, right? It's gross. So it's the same thing with like a pitch template or whatever templates you use for whatever. Like you cannot replicate the same thing if you don't understand it. Yeah. And that's why like knowing the basics. So if we take sales, for example, like there are a lot of scripts and you can download scripts or you can pay someone for a script. But what I spent a long time thinking about is like, what are the core things that need to happen to make a sale? And so the three things are, number one, the person needs to want to solve the problem. Number two, they need to believe that your solution will solve the problem for them. Not just that it can solve the problem, but it will solve the problem for them specifically. And number three, they need to believe that the value of solving the problem outweighs the cost. And if those three things are achieved, then the sale will move forward. Yes, you can use different scripts or tactics or strategies to make a sale. But if you understand those three things, then you can kind of take that anywhere, whether it be a sales call, a meeting, like a sales page online, those three things still need to happen. And yeah, you kind of have that understanding that it's not about specific scripts. And if it does change, like those things won't change. Yeah. But I love how you emphasize the fact that that person, whoever, like, let's say I'm having a sales call right now and I'm speaking to an individual, they have to want to fucking change. Because I'm sure in the beginning, too, you have this, too. And I, I have this time, time to time where you get on a call with someone and they are so resistant to do anything. And you're like, oh, we'll just try to convince them. Or like, oh, we'll just keep talking about it and we'll see if I can work things out. And yes, in a salesy way, you can educate them and inspire them to take action, but they have to want to do it. You cannot force them. It doesn't work like that. And you don't want someone like that either at all. They're the people that will request a refund later. Exactly. Or they'll give you a one-star review and take all your information yeah. and just like, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> don't want that. <laughs> yeah. So that, that first one, they need to want to solve the problem. That's critical. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big one. It's important. But so I'm wondering, you know, now that we're talking about business and mistakes and right now sales and stuff like that, you know, some of the things that I'm finding with a lot of people, okay, even from a sales perspective, right? Let's stay on the topic of sales since we're on it. How do we get out of decision fatigue? Because let's say I get on a phone call with someone, or even I'm on a phone call with someone's pitching me on something, and you have to make a decision. How do you like determine what they should do and like how to do it? And also like, right, we're always having to make decisions throughout the day from what we make for breakfast to what type of products we purchase to the jobs we even have. So how do you get to a place where you can make decisions effectively instead of being exhausted and like kind of shutting down? Yeah. So the thing about decisions or time in general is that like people don't really understand how time or how time works effectively, because what people can do is they can say like, let's say you're trying to decide what to do today. And you might say, well, maybe I could update my logo. And you could say, well, updating my logo is beneficial. It's good. Like it is, there is a benefit to it. Therefore, I should do it. But just because something is beneficial, it doesn't mean it's the best thing you could do. Because if you're spending time doing one thing, by default, that means you're not spending time on every other thing you could be doing. And so when you're trying to decide, like, what should I do? You can't just ask, is this good or bad? 
you have to ask like, is this the best thing I could do? Because if I'm spending time updating my logo, when I could be spending time on something that's significantly better, all of a sudden updating my logo is actually like a bad thing to do because I'm not doing something better. And so people who are ahead of you or anyone in, in life in general, it's not because they have more time, it's because they're like putting their time into better things. And so they're making decisions as to where they spend their time. And so the thing with decision fatigue is like, it's a real thing. If, you, if you've ever tried the diet, you probably know it's like in the morning, you're really good. And at nighttime is when you kind of fall off, you like have chocolate or ice cream. It's because you've spent all day making these decisions to eat well. And it's like a muscle, it, it like fatigues. And so by the end of the day, you can't make good decisions. And so if we know that the way to progress is putting our time into the right things and the way to put our time into the right things is making the decisions that allow us to do that, then how do we make good decisions? Well, we need to remove the decisions that don't matter. And so you can eliminate it completely, you can automate it, or you can delegate it. And so some really good things to eliminate any decision that you need to make every day that is not actually beneficial. So like what you eat each day or what you wear each day or just a routine, you can make one decision once about like what's a meal plan I can follow. And then you don't need to make the decision of what am I going to eat? Because that's where like most people's decisions go. It's like, what am I eating? What am I wearing? And they do this every single day and it doesn't actually like produce any positive outcome. So finding the decisions you're making each day. Uh, for me, I like I eat the same food every day. I used to get meal delivery. Now I've got an EA who just like brings my meals to me. So I think like there's zero thought in food. Same with my clothes. I wear the same, not like the exact same clothes, but like I've got basically the same <laughs> one in multiple colors. Same with the routine, same with like exercising. If you can look at the things you're doing each day that aren't actually moving you towards your goal or the decisions you're making that aren't contributing to progressing to your goal and you can find a way to automate them or remove them, you have like all this extra bandwidth. So now if the only decision you need to make today is like what's the most beneficial thing to do today and you're not worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear, you can put all of your like computational power into that one decision and it's far more likely you're going to pick the right thing. Yeah. I, it's funny you say that because as a woman, right, I'm always like, what am I going to wear? And then of course, like when I was in corporate, I had to wear like formal outfits that like looked nice and whatever else. And it came to a point that I was like, I was stressed in the morning because of like what I was going to wear that I ended up actually, I started taking pictures of all my outfits and storing them in Evernote. And so then what ended up happening is I bought back time and was actually able to work on my business in the morning two years ago when I was first starting because I had already had an image of what I had to wear and then just pulled it out of the closet. Like I didn't have to think about it. I was getting so much time. Like that's incredible. Just from choosing an outfit that I already pre like planned. Like it's so nice when you do stuff like that. Yeah. It's not even time. It's like the mental effort you could put into those things now. Like time's important, but yeah, your ability to make decisions. And if someone's listening, they're like, oh, deciding what to eat is not taking much of my brain power. Like you'd be surprised if you... Try it for a week and you'll see like a huge difference, like just all this mental clarity because your brain can't tell the difference between what am I going to wear and like, who should I hire? Because like they're both decisions. And so the weight of the decision isn't weighed in your mind. It's just like I'm making a decision. And so, yeah, if you can save those small decisions or remove them, then you can use like that energy into things that move you forward. So then how many decisions do you limit? Do you like, do you have a limit, a decision limit per day of what you have to do? Or is it just like dependent on what happens? Well, it depends what I'm doing, but anything that's not related to the project I'm working on, I will remove. So what time I wake up, what time I go to bed, what I'm eating, what I'm wearing, when I'm exercising, like what I'm doing in terms of exercises, all of those life maintenance tasks are like removed. And so then it's like, okay, I need to sit down today. Like I'll know what I'm doing for the day, the night before I'll plan what I'm doing today. Like the main 
goal. And then my first decision of the day basically is what's the best way to do this? And so it's like all pulling that, whereas most people have probably made 15 or 20 decisions. If you think like, like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat for breakfast? Like, what am I going to listen to on the way to work? There's a lot of decisions that come into this process. And so by the time you actually go to make a good decision, you're basically like almost done for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I mean, I never really thought about it like that, but yes, every, and you have to think about the average person who maybe hasn't like done any, let's say meditation or mindset work where they haven't quieted their mind. The squirrels in their brain are just running rampant basically. So that in addition to like making all these decisions, yeah, they're probably really burnt out. In addition to not only their personal decisions, but then business decisions at their job, like it's a lot. Yeah, that's a great point too. Like a lot of people have a lot of things on their minds, like these open loops, like I need to call that person back or I need to tell this person something. And so a good exercise is at the end of the day or at the start of the day, just writing down like what's got my attention on a piece of paper and just writing down everything that like you're thinking about, what's on your mind. And if there's things that keep coming up, maybe it's like have a conversation with this person. If you can offload that, it's going to free up all this energy in your mind to like focus on things that are important. So all of that life noise, if you can get rid of that, then that's like really beneficial. Yeah, because you can then just go like tunnel vision and just work on what you need to work instead of all this fluff and BS, honestly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's really what it is, right? I Someone had a great quote, essentially that our life experience, 80% of it is in our head and 20% of it is actually in reality, which is sad to think about, but yes. It's probably more than that, like... I know, honestly, right? 20% is generous, but realistically, right? Like, again, like if you think about, let's say dating or something like, you know, you have all these thoughts about the person and like you have to say this, and you have to do that and you got to pick up, you know, all of these things, but it doesn't actually happen in real life. They're just like arguments that we have in the shower with ourselves in our head as we plan out whatever it is. And it never actually happens in real life. The worst case scenario that we think probably never happens. And yet we think it does. And we react that way, even though it's in our head. Yeah, and you spend all the time and effort thinking about things that won't happen or don't happen. Yeah, and decision-making and decision fatigue. Like, it just all kind of falls in the same place, but yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's a lot. Like, we'll spend more time thinking about making decisions about things that probably won't even happen than we do about things that are actually important. Like, what will I say if this person says this? And then it never happens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, yeah. And isn't it pretty, like, interesting when you think about it? I think humans only use, like, 20 or 30% of our brains. Imagine if we had full 100%, we would be, I don't even know, like, oh, that would be a challenge. I mean, it'd probably be great, but, like, could we even handle it? I don't know, but conversation for another day. One day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. This has been awesome. I myself have learned a ton, which is great. I know my listeners are definitely going to benefit from what you have to say and all these things about decision fatigue and just how to achieve any goal and all that. Because I know the people listening are also really ambitious, so it'll definitely be helpful. But one of the things I like to do with every single episode when I wrap it up is just to ask my guests one final question, which is, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? It's a good question. I think the best bit of advice I'd give myself is to focus on the little things. Because... I used to think, and this is what a lot of people think, like success is a moment. That's what you think, right? And like you could take the Olympics, for example. Like you look at people, they're on the podium, they've won. You think they've won because they ran the race, but it was because of every single thing they did leading up to that. They woke up, they exercised, they did their diet, nutrition, like all those things that they did for years and sometimes decades is what made them win the race. The race was like a byproduct of those things. And so rather than discounting the little things and only focusing on the big things. If you can make the little things as important or more important than the big things, so there's this quote, which is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so when you're washing your car, if you just like rush, try to get done, 
you're not developing the traits of doing the little things right. And so, yeah, focusing on everything you do, how can I make it great? And then the success will come rather than focusing on like, I'm going to try not do anything well and one day hopefully I achieve something. Yeah, success is now in how you act in every decision you make. And so focusing on that. That's great. I love it. I really like it, actually. Going to take that for today too, in addition to all the other gold nuggets. But where can people find you if they want to, you know, talk to you kind of, if they want to work with you, if they want to follow you on social, compliment you from the episode, where can they, you know, connect with you? The best place is Instagram. That's where I'm most active. So it's Connor underscore Marriott, or you can go to findmeoninstagram.com and it like redirects to my page. Yeah. And if you want, we've got like free trainings and resources for business owners. So if you want to send me a message, um, we can see what's going to be most useful and send it through. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your gold nuggets and secrets of the trade and all that. It's the simple secrets too of the trade. So I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.